Good morning, church. Thank you, Kelsey and team. That was beautiful. Y'all are beautiful. You know, I was asked by Mr. Gary. He called me and he said, hey, if it snows, you think you'd still be willing to take a chance and come out here? And, you know, I have a four-wheel drive truck. And so if you have a four-wheel drive truck, we as men are always looking for a reason to put it in four-wheel drive, of course I'm going to take a chance. Unfortunately, I didn't get to put it in four-wheel drive, but the roads are tricky. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing love. Thank you for Fourth Avenue Church of Christ and what you've done here and the legacy that this church has left in this community. Lord, guide us today. Let my words be your words. Guide this church We open our hands to you, Lord. We open our hearts to you, our minds to you, our spirit to you, and ask that you would lead us. You say that you are a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. And Lord, we trust those words today. In your holy, holy name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody say all right, give you an update. I am Scott Hoard. I'm a missionary to the preborn children of our nation. I have been doing it just somewhere close to seven years, and I've been doing it full time for a year and a half, just over a year and a half. It's been amazing. So we are up to 359 baby rescues that we know about. Thank you. Thank you. We had one this past week, and, uh, but we've had more than that. Those are the ones that we've known about. Uh, what's happened over the last several days. So let me show you some pictures. Our pro presenter up there, there, there's a Nashville snow and that's Kaylani and she beautiful. So there's an update on Kaylani and how she's doing. Uh, next picture. This is one of our newborns here and that's Denisha just born on Christmas Eve. Isn't that beautiful? And Keyshawn. So I did a podcast uh, just several weeks ago, and let me tell you, little Keyshawn is two, and he literally destroyed that room. It will never be the same again. It was the hardest podcast I've ever done, so, uh, but it's amazing. And Paisley was just born as well, uh, lives down in Hickman County, and isn't she beautiful? So uh, that's an update. Uh, I have been traveling. I am traveling the nation and encouraging the church. I'm going out on the street and training people on how to share the gospel. I'm showing them how to rescue babies, and it's been amazing. I was in Seattle last week. Um, I'm going to Cleveland, Ohio in a couple weeks, and the doors just keep opening. I have people coming in from Muskogee, Oklahoma this week to stand with me. So let me tell you, the church is beautiful. The church, this is a beautiful church. The church in our nation is beautiful. There's a lot of just amazing people that love Jesus that are reaching their communities. So be encouraged today. You guys online, thanks for listening today. I know I just saw on uh, social media that some of you are listening in. I'm glad you're listening in today. Uh, I'm excited about God's word. Today's title of my message is A Time to Build, and we're going to be looking at a scripture today that I would say is probably my favorite scripture. It's two scriptures. It's, uh, it's going to be found in Luke 4, 14 through 21, and also Isaiah 61. They go, they go together. The reason I say they're my favorite scriptures is because um, it's a scripture that 
sends me. It's a scripture that propels me. Uh, it's a scripture that sustains me and encourages me to do what I do. These scriptures are not just scriptures, but they're real. I not only read them, I live them and believe everything that's in them, and I'm going to present them to you today. So we're going to start in Luke 4. The context of this scripture is Jesus has just started his ministry. He has just come out of the desert, and he is preaching. And he's preaching, and the theme of all of his sermons is repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That could also be the title of my sermon today. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so he's in his hometown, and he enters into a synagogue. So let's look at Luke 4, 14 through 21 today. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up and he read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written this is what he read the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant. He sat down, and all the eyes were fixed upon him, and he said, in your hearing, this scripture is fulfilled. Let that sit in. In your hearing, that scripture is fulfilled. What is that scripture? It's Isaiah 61. Let's read that, 1 through 11. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priest of the Lord. They shall speak of you as ministers of God. You shall eat the wealth of nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there will be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, you shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have an everlasting joy. 
For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations, and their descendants in the midst of peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them, and they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself out like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts and as the garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout before all the nations. Can I get an amen? Come on. Isn't that strong? I love that. My question to you is, did you hear it? Another question, do you understand it? And last question, do you believe it? So before I get into this, Happy New Year. We have many things to be thankful for. How many of you trust in Jesus today? Can you raise your hand? Hey, we're 100% in here today. That's a good thing. Even the media crew up there raised their hands. When you're reading Luke 4 and Isaiah 61, let me tell you, you that raised your hands, you're reading your testimony. You're reading your testimony. You're not only reading your testimony, you're also reading your mission. I love Luke 4. I love Isaiah 61. When I read these scriptures, I can testify to the truth of these because I was the one that was brokenhearted. I was the one in ashes. I was the one with a faint spirit. I was the one imprisoned. Wasn't really raised in the church. Went to church some. Didn't really understand it. But I didn't walk with the Lord until at the very end of my college. My identity was in everything else. I was good in sports. My identity was in sports. I knew Jesus was out there. Didn't really understand the church thing. Always looked at the church as being a kind of a soft place, not really a place for adventure and fight and, um, I don't know, all the good things that we think about. And so I came to know the Lord. I came to faith. I followed uh, my girlfriend, my pretty girlfriend, to church, who then became my wife. And I got the girl, and I got Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. I heard the good news. I accepted the proclamation of liberty. And today, and at 23 years old, I was set free. It's no longer blind. I've been set free from the oppression and the darkness that followed me most of my life through my teenage years and in, into my early 20s. Today I stand before you a planting of the Lord. I stand before you an oak of righteousness with a beautiful headdress, with clothes and garment of praise, with the oil of gladness. I'm no longer a captive to my sin and the darkness that entangled me. I'm clothed in the garments of salvation and the robes of righteousness. That's all because of Jesus. When I put my trust in Jesus through faith, he gave me this beautiful gift of grace, and he clothed me in righteousness. So I've got sermon props. 
Y'all like sermon props? All right. It'll make you remember. I guarantee you're going to remember this. I'm going to pull out one of my Christmas gifts that my wife gave me. And this is a really good one, too. Who's got good robes? I got a good robe for Christmas. Because the Scripture speaks. Of robes. Isn't this a good robe? Come on. My wife did good, didn't she? But I need you to see this. Am I still? I think I'm off the here. I know it looks goofy, right? But think about it, what the scripture said. Because I've accepted the good news. I've been given the robe of righteousness. Come on. The robe of salvation. So thankful that 23 years ago, my, in my lack of understanding of who Jesus is, I didn't know a whole lot about him, but I knew in that moment, I knew in that moment when he spoke to me and he challenged me to leave everything behind, to give everything up and to cross that line and just trust him. And I did. And in that moment, even in the the ignorance of who I was and in my faith, he put this on me. And for now, gosh, it's almost 29 years I've been wearing this robe. But let me tell you, it hasn't been easy wearing the robe. And, and I've got to lay this foundation so I can take you where I want to go because there was times in my faith where I realized I still struggle. I'm human. My flesh is still warring against me. And I found at times... Kind of took the robe off. And I would live my faith like this, and I would come to church like this, like barely hanging on to my faith. And, and I think it's one of the greatest struggles in our faith, to be honest with you, is the understanding of this blessing and the favor that God has put upon us and understanding of grace. And when I look at the church and the struggle of the church and how the struggle gets so comfortable, the church gets so comfortable in the pews and doesn't get out into the community, you have to ask, why is that? And a lot of times we think it's fear, but I think ultimately it comes down to this. That we fail over here in secret, proclaiming to be something over there, and we come in with our head down in the church is unsure. But let me tell you, when I put my faith in Jesus, I didn't put this on. He put it on me. God, it was a gift from him. And so understanding grace and understanding that God's grace is bigger than my failure. And I have failed greatly as a man, as a husband, as a father. But the greatest truth that I've learned is don't take the robe and wear it halfway. Cinch it. Double knot it. And get busy being who God has called you to be. Oh, it's so free. And so the church is called to wear the assurance of this robe. And my question to you is, are you free? Do you have the robe of righteousness on? 
The garments of salvation, are they secure? Are they tight? Is the belt tight around your waist? Are you walking in your faith halfway because you, you failed over here and you failed in the thought over here or you failed in what you looked at over there? That's not you. This is you. If you're being oppressed, if you're listening online and you're struggling, the scripture speaks of being free. Come to Jesus. If you're a Christian and you raise your hand in here today and your robe has been draped not over your shoulders but in your arms, put the robe back on and cinch it and walk in the assurance of who God is and who's, who he's called you to be. You're a child of God. You've been rescued out of the domain of darkness and you've been brought into the kingdom of his beloved son. Cinch the robe and walk that out. It's favor that God has given you. Have you ever had favor? Come on, raise your hand if you ever had favor. I've had favor. Let me tell you about an experience I had. I got invited to go to a University of Tennessee, go Vols, football game. They were playing Florida, and we hadn't beaten Florida in a long time. And I had somebody give me passes, field passes. The only catch with the field passes were they were recruit passes. Recruit. You know, these are potential players. And uh, this was just a couple years ago. I'm 52, so I'm 50 going in as a recruit. And so I'm with my son who looks like a recruit, and there was a bunch of recruits, and we had a lot of favor. We got pushed past everybody that was trying to see the team and whatnot, and the team had just walked in, and we were standing at the entrance there, and they said, all right, recruits, come on through. And so I was at the end, and they were looking at everybody going, recruit, yep, recruit, yep, recruit. And then they got to me, and they're like, I said, kicker. I'm a kicker. They're like, okay, whatever, buddy. Come on in. That's favor. That's favor. But I'm telling you, we have a greater favor than that. But what is favor? A lot of times when I hear Christians equate the word favor, they equate it with grace. And I agree with that somewhat. But I think when we define the word, I think we define the word favor too lightly. And so if we're defining the word favor too lightly, then we're defining grace too lightly. Maybe that's why we pull the robe off our shoulders. Maybe that's why that the robe is not cinched. But biblical favor is way more than some slight advantage. Grace is way more than some slight advantage. You see, biblical favor is this. When you wear this robe, you have power. It's a power that comes upon you only from God through the gift of grace that allows you to go do and be all that God has called you to go do and be. You hear that? That's grace. Is it favor? Yes, but it's much more than favor. It's power. It's authority. You've got the power. Every one of you raised your hand. You have the robe of righteousness. Go in that. But here's my concern. is that the church is lukewarm. The church is struggling to understand that favor. It's, under, it's struggling to understand the righteousness. And the church has become, in a bit of a way across our nation, just kind of floundering, believing that the highest calling to the church is to come into the church and sing songs and praise and leave here satisfied, believing that that's the highest calling I think we're stuck in the pews because we're taking the robe of righteousness and the garments of salvation and we half wear them. But that's not what Luke 4 is talking about. It's not what 
Isaiah 61 is talking about. If you have the robe, if you have the garments of praise, if you have the headdress, then get rid of the faint spirit and put on the oil of gladness and step into that favor. We see favor all throughout the scriptures, and these scriptures do speak about favor. It says the year of the Lord's favor. The Lord sat down and said, do you hear this? As you hear it, it is fulfilled. So we have that favor. Nehemiah had favor. He went to the king. He was concerned about Jerusalem, and he went back. He went back to build. And the letter that he got from the king gave him favor. A pagan king wrote him a letter and allowed him to travel through foreign lands, through enemy lands, to uh, use the resources to accomplish what he needed to accomplish. But let me tell you, we have a better favor because we have a better king, and our king is King Jesus. Read Ephesians 1. He's above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, above every name that is named in this age. And there's a lot of names that are strange in this age that weren't around 10 years ago. And in another 10 years, there's going to be more names. He's above all of them because he is king now. Read Psalm 110. Read Philippians 2. He's been exalted. He's been exalted, hasn't he? And so do you believe it? We have a greater favor than Nehemiah, and we have a greater work than Nehemiah. Here's what we are called to do. We're called to build. We come to church and we sing beautiful songs. Kelsey, you did great. The team did great. We take communion. We baptize. But is that our highest calling? As Christians... Isaiah 1 says, yes, celebrate that. We are to celebrate that. That's what communion's about. But communion reaches way beyond our salvation, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It speaks to what Jesus did. But doesn't it speak to who Jesus is now? Don't we take communion thinking about what he's going to do for us? It's all wrapped up in that. And so not only do we wear the robe, We're called to graduate, not graduate, but build upon this. We're called to do the next thing. My tool belt. Forgive me as I try to put this on. It's not a great tool belt. Our tool belt. We're called to get to work. You're saved to do what? To come in here, to gather, to praise, to worship. But the church is called to build. Ephesians 2.10 really speaks to it. What does it say? It says that we are his workmanship, created in him to do good works that he has ordained us to do. He's already ordained the work. Think about that. You're a workmanship to be a worker for his kingdom. And he says, hey, Fourth Avenue, there's work out here, and I've already ordained it. My favor is upon it. Put the tool belt on after your worship and your communion and your baptisms and your praise and your fellowship and get busy. Go to work. 
Everyone in Christ is his workmanship. The word there, workmanship, is Greek. It's poema. It means tapestry. It, it means he takes a collection of everything in you in your life and he brings it together and he makes something beautiful out of it. The ugly, the good, the noble, whatever. And he brings it out and he says, I'll take it all and I'm going to do something beautiful in you for you to go do something beautiful around you. And so you step into that. And that's what Isaiah 61, 4 tells us. And it says, who is going to build? It says, they are going to build. Do you need building in this city? Let me tell you, Nehemiah saw that the walls of the city were in ruins. The gates were burned down. I'm traveling the country and just drove through Seattle. Their walls are torn down. Their gates are burned down. It's a pretty city. This is a pretty city. The restaurants, the square, your city's burned down. You can dress it up however you want. But let me tell you, this city, as much as any other city, is filled with addiction. Pill addiction, sex addiction, hopelessness, pride, greed. Which county in Tennessee has the highest suicide rate? Williamson County? Man, did you know that? I'm telling you, your walls are torn down. The gates have been burned. And so what is the call from the favor and the blessing? It says in Isaiah 61, 4, it says they build. Who are they? It's you that is clothed in righteousness. And so, but here's the hard part is there's so much that gets in the way of us putting on this tool belt. Two things that get in the way. One is fear. Fear. I get fear. When I started going to the abortion mill, when the Lord burned that into my soul, I was afraid. I'm pretty good with the scripture, I feel like. I, I've been walking with the Lord. I'm pastoring a church. I'm used to talking to people about my faith. But when I started going to the abortion facility there, I was scared. I had to push through the fear. There was a time that it was so difficult and challenging out there, and I was getting, my life was getting threatened. I looked at my car, and the Holy Spirit said, you can go. You can go to your coffee shop and be comfortable. But I'm telling you that, here's what he said. He said, you won't be comfortable in your coffee shop. You'll be more miserable there than you are here. You go there, you're out of my will. You stand here, you're in my will. What's it going to be? And I said, I'm going to leave my tool belt on. And I'm going to face it. And if I die, I die. Push through your fear. A hike, Angel's Landing. I've done it three times. It's one of the most dangerous hikes in the world. It's in Zion. If you get a chance to do it, go do it. It's crazy. You're 1,500 feet up. 1,500, 1,500 feet up. And you're on a path this wide. And you're holding a chain. It's really stupid. My wife tells me I'm very ignorant. When I do it, but you're holding that chain and you're, you're negotiating with people that are coming this way because there's only one way. Like, how scared are you? And, and then if they're more scared, then you have to step off and reach around them. And I was so scared the first time I did it. As a matter of fact, I went back and I wasn't going to do it. And I was just staring at it. And a guy said, uh, I saw you come back. And I said, yeah. He goes, you want to do it? And I was like, I don't know. He goes, come on, let's do it. And I just followed him. And I pushed through the fear. I pushed through the fear. And it broke me. 
of that, which was interesting. But the other thing that keeps us from building is a lack of compassion. There's nothing you can do to push through that. If there is no compassion in your heart, you won't see the city walls torn down and you won't see the gates that are burnt down. You won't see the person that is addicted, hurt, lost, hopeless, that's filled with rage. You won't see it. You have to have compassion to see that. When you look at the story of the Good Samaritan, what's the key to the story? It's not the, it, the Levite and the priest. They had no compassion. They went on with their religious duties, right? They didn't see the guy on the ground where they saw him, but they ignored him. It was the Samaritan, the Good Samaritan, not the religious person that had compassion that stooped down and helped him there but went the distance with him. We need those two things to build. Push through your fear if you don't have compassion. That's between you and God. You have to go to God and pray for that and connect with him there to receive that gift. And it is a gift. But think about this as you build and as you think about the story of the Good Samaritan. Remember the original question. What must I do to receive eternal life? And if you don't have compassion, and if that compassion isn't leading you to do this, then you've got to question everything. What does building look like? It says here in the scriptures in Isaiah 61.6, it says you're a priest, you're a minister of God. And so let me show you my last sermon prop. When I got ordained... I was given this, this beautiful stuff. Isn't it beautiful? It was a special moment. And these colors mean something. Red means sacrifice. And so when I put this on, they said, Scott, you're entering into a life of sacrifice. You've got to give everything up, and you're going to serve others. You're going to put others before yourself. That's what that red means. But this ordination isn't just for the certain few. If you are clothed with the robe of righteousness, this belongs on you. To go out here and build, you've got to understand it's going to cost you. It might cost you everything. Financially, it might cost you your life. I enter into that every day. But the red not only means Sacrifice, it means authority. When I step out into this place of sacrifice, I believe and truly believe in Isaiah 61 that I'm going to go proclaim the gospel and people are going to be set free. But the other side of that is the white side, which means righteousness and purity. That as I go in this, as a priest of the Lord, I am called to walk in righteousness and goodness and I'm called to have a stamp of righteousness burned into my soul and to choose good because if I don't then all of a sudden I find myself over here again with my robe half on going am I worthy to do anything and just barely struggle trying to get in the church and so you have to walk both of these out but let me tell you everybody in here if you're online and you believe in Jesus this is for you that's that's the key to building. You're, you're priest. First Peter says you're a royal priesthood. Do you believe it? You're a royal priesthood. And so what is the work that we're called to do out here? 
fast. We're called to fast. That's the work. Before you go put a coat on somebody, fast. Pray for. Y'all are good because I see your prayer groups. I've been, I've participated in your prayer groups. That's amazing. I know you're doing the work of praying for. But at some point it has to go from praying for to praying with. And so we come here and we gather today and we worship and we take communion and we baptize and we praise the Lord and we just rejoice in the robe and we remember this and we fast and we pray for and then we walk out that door and it's like, all right, Lord, you lead me to pray with. What else do priests do? They serve. That's what this is. They take the word of God to people. And they teach them the word of God. That's how you're going to rebuild the walls of this city. That's how the gates are going to be restored. Yes, I know we're called to do good things. Rescue babies. Amen. Feed the poor. Amen. Clothe the poor. Amen. Take care of the homeless. Yes. That's good work. But the work... You're called to is spiritual. The ultimate work you're called to is spiritual because you're a royal priesthood, and that's how the walls are going to be rebuilt. You're called to make disciples, and discipleship is hard and it's sacrificial. And hear me, the best places for this is in the public space and in your home. If you're going to rebuild the walls of this city, you have to take what you have here, enter into the public space and do those things, but it's got to come back to your home. And really, the true work of the church is not going to be birthed from this pulpit, but it's going to be birthed when you gather together in your home and as you take communion in your home, as you teach others and encourage others in the Word of God and you're praying for and you're praying with and you're fasting together, then the Lord's going to take a group like this in a home and He's going to birth something out of it. And He says, hey, we're called to join Scott on 412DB Todd and rescue babies or we're called to help the underprivileged here in Williamson County. It's going to be birthed in the home. Are you willing to do the work. I was just in Snohomish, Washington, and I trained a group of people on the street, but I would gather in their homes, about this many people, about 20 people, and we would pray, we would worship, we would eat, and we would encourage each other. What birth from that is beautiful, and they're seeing revival up there. And it's not revival that's coming out of the church. It's revival that's coming out of the church that's in the home. The tool belt, the city needs Christians like you to put on the tool belt. You should be able to walk down the street and walk by Frothy Monkey. And Mark's in there sitting with somebody. You should look at him and go, he's, doing, he's got the tool belt on. Or Gary Schrader walking down the street praying with somebody on the corner. He's doing the work of the church. He's got the tool belt on. You should look across the city and see this happening everywhere, everywhere. And so I want to close here. Worship team, you can get ready. I want to close with the story of Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts wrote some beautiful songs. 
And one of the greatest songs he wrote was Joy to the World. Hold up, I'm caught up in my... Sorry about that. was Joy to the World. Isaac Watts was struggling with the church. And what he saw in the church was a lack of emotion. He kind of felt a doom and gloom in the church. There was no passion. There was no joy. No good works. He complained to his father one day. He said, Dad, what's wrong with the church? His father said... Son, do something about it. So Isaac Watts was reading this psalm, and it's from this psalm that he wrote the song, Joy to the World. And I'm going to read it to you. I hope it speaks to you. It says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand, his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known the salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the spirit of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth break forth in joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre. With the lyre and the sound of a melody. With the trumpets and the sound of a horn. Make a joyful noise before the king, the Lord. Let the sea roar. And all that fills it, the world and all who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. And he will judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Three, it's basically three things. Nine verses. First three verses says that Jesus saves the robe of righteousness. The second three verses says, Jesus is king. Amen? The last three verses say that he brings justice and righteousness. He says that the seas will roar. The mountains will praise God. The rivers clap their hands. Because justice is coming and justice has come. When I stand on the street every day and it's hard, I face really hardship. And it's Isaiah 61, it's Luke 4 that propels me, it's, it's Psalm 98 that propels me because I can face hard situations and I remember that the rivers are clapping their hands and I sit out there and I go, and I can see the death courts, the people that oppose me, they're looking at me like, why is that guy clapping? They have no idea that I'm remembering these verses because not only do they propel me, they sustain me to do the work that God has called me to do. The most beautiful part about the song that Isaac Watts wrote to me in the most interesting verse is there at the beginning. Joy to the world, the Lord... Huh? Is come. Huh? Yeah, who said has? Raise your hand. I think I heard you. Several of you said has come. He did that on purpose. You know why? Because he wanted to encourage the church. Yes, the Lord has come, and he's done a good thing for us. Let's remember that in communion. Let's remember that. But he's here now. He's king now. He is come. So get your tool belt on. He says, go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them my word, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and 
what? I will be with you to the end of the age. The Lord is coming. That's what Isaac Watts wanted the church to get. Joy to the world. Rejoice in your salvation. Walk in the assurance of it. He's king. But get your tool belt on and leave this building and began to rebuild the walls of this city through fasting, praying for, praying with, teaching them the word of the God, teaching them the word of God, here, out there, and in your homes. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, again for this day, and thank you for the call of your scripture. Thank you for... Scriptures like Luke 4 and Isaiah 61. Thank you for the testimony and the blessing that we see there, but thank you for the mission that we have there. Thank you for the oaks of righteousness that are in this room, the ones that are online, the planning of the Lord. Lord, you have called us, and it says in the Scripture that uh, the walls of devastation will be rebuilt by us who are your children. And so, Lord, we pray for the walls of devastation in this town, in this city. Lord, help us to see them for what they are and give us the courage and the boldness to push through the fear, to go into the assurance of our salvation and do the work that you've called us to do. We praise your holy and mighty name. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for the year of the Lord's favor. And everybody say Amen.